worship team this morning. You may be seated. You may be seated. I love that first song we started off with. That's a new song, but it you'll hear it again pretty quickly around here. In our Father's house, in my Father's house, there's a place for me. Thank God for that. Love that second song, too. That in the, It's talking about even in the midst of the valleys, we're still going to praise God. Sometimes we have to just praise Him in the storm, praise Him in the valleys. But, man, great job, worship team. Thank you so much for leading us to praise God this morning. A couple of announcements I need to make real quick, and we'll try to keep moving here. But I do want to reiterate that we are signing up for our Wednesday night groups. You know, for a while we did small groups year-round, and a couple of years ago I was actually studying a book called The Radical Wesley, and it talked about John Wesley, how he did his groups, how he did his discipleship, and he basically had large groups, medium-sized groups, and then small accountability groups of two or three people. And I decided that here maybe we needed to mix it up a little bit. And so we just came through a great semester of small groups. We call them life groups here. And some great things happened there. And we just are so thankful for those of you guys that plugged in were part of that. But this semester we're doing something I'm calling Rushwood U, like Rushwood University. How many of you have ever watched like Prager University on YouTube? Anybody out there? Anybody woke? Okay, awesome. Um, but we're, we're calling this Rushwood U. Not, it's not a real university or anything, although I do have a real doctorate. But anyway, I'm going to be teaching this semester, and it's an 18-week course, basically, 17 weeks and then a celebration of completion. I'm going to be teaching the second part of church history. If you were here with us last fall, and we meet in the Senior Life Center, which is that building right over that way, y'all. Uh, we're going to meet over there at 7 o'clock for the class Every Wednesday night, except for the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we're going to take that one off. But what I'm going to basically be teaching you guys is from the time of the Reformation, Martin Luther, and we talked about that last year. It was the 500th anniversary last October of the Protestant Reformation. We're going to be talking about what the church, what the people of God have been up to from that time until now. And so you're going to encounter some amazing people in church history you may have never heard of. Certainly you've heard of John Wesley. He's one of my absolute heroes. But you may not have heard of people like William Wilberforce, who was just such a, an amazing person in Great Britain who brought an end to slavery through his life in Great Britain. And people like Sojourner Truth, maybe you remember her uh, from, from your history days in your schools growing up. But you may not have known that she was a Christian minister and what, how God used her. People like Billy Graham, who has just gone home to be with the Lord. We're going to learn a little bit about him. Even if you don't like history, this is the plug I made in the, in the first, uh, uh, first uh, service this morning. Even if you don't like history, you still need to come. And the reason for that is, even if you don't like history, a lot of fellowship takes place on Wednesday nights in these meetings. And I hear people sometimes who say, maybe they've been around this church for a while, and they say, well, I just don't know anybody at Rushwood anymore. Okay, to have friends, you're going to have to show yourself friendly. That's what the Bible says. And so this is an opportunity for you to come and to talk to people, to meet new people. We have a meal that starts at 5.30 that runs from 5.30 to 6.45 every Wednesday night, $3 a person. You can't beat that. Come in and eat with your church family. Get to meet some new people. We have opportunities built in during 
during the church history course, at the end of every week, you're going to get together and talk in small groups and get to know some people. This is our manual that we'll be using. This is something that I put together and developed. These are going to be $10 a piece, and all that does is almost cover our printing costs. So we're not making any money on these, but this is something you can put on your shelf and keep. And if you say, hey, I like that story that Brent told us about, you can go back and reference that and, and look through it. Guys, I put a lot of time into developing this, okay? And so it, it makes me feel good when you guys show up and plug in on Wednesday nights and get what God has for us through this. Probably the following fall, I'm going to talk about world religions and cults, and so we're going to do this sort of thing all over again. Sunday morning's great. I'm glad you're here on Sunday morning. Statistically, I should probably be happy just that you show up on Sunday morning anymore in our culture, but I'm a perfectionist, so I want even more than that. I want you to show up on Sunday morning, but I want you to come back on Wednesday night, and you're going to learn some deep things, I think, through this that will be a real blessing to you and maybe other people. Last semester that we did church history, I was so blessed that one of the ladies in our class, she would go through the class every Wednesday night, and she had a father-in-law who was very sick, and he's since gone home to be with the Lord. But she would come to our class every Wednesday night, and then she would go to her father-in-law's house and sit down by his bedside and reteach what I had taught that night to him as he was homebound and sick. And, and I thought, man, how great is that? that something good is actually taken and it's shared. And that's the kind of thing that we're looking for to have happen with this. So my plea to you is if you don't think you'll like it, please come give it a try for a couple of weeks and just see if maybe it's better than you think it'll be. Those of you who were part of it last semester, last fall when we did this, I think you could tell other folks that it really was a great time and you really did learn a lot and they ought to come too. Another thing I want to thank you guys for, yesterday was our Love Life. We sponsored the Love Life Walk in Greensboro yesterday and I didn't get a great you know an exact count but we had uh, lots of folks from our church show up and God was there we were at Randleman Road at the abortion clinic outside of the clinic praying and worshiping we didn't engage people going in we didn't hold signs or, or try to talk to them or anything like that we simply prayed and we worshiped one of the darkest places in the city of Greensboro one of the darkest places in our area I average somewhere between 50 and 100 children are aborted there every week and I, I don't know about you, but as a Christian, I just can't sit silently while something like that goes on. And so we were out there praying and worshiping, and sometimes people will say, well, does something like that make any difference at all? Before we left, we had a lady uh, who works at the Yadkinville Crisis Pregnancy Center, and she came up to me and she said, Pastor Brent, I just have to show you this. She said, at the exact time when we were praying and worshiping, I got a text on my phone from a lady I had talked to three weeks ago who was abortion-minded, who felt like she had no choice but to get rid of her baby. And she said, I thought she had gone through with it because I hadn't heard from her again, but I just got a text from her, and the exact time we were praying, she sent a text saying she was going to keep her baby, wanted to go into counseling, and wanted to know if we could help her with getting started out to raise this child. And she said, that's the power of prayer. When the, when the church starts praying, things start happening. And so a difference was made yesterday. And we know we had at least one abortion-minded mom who turned away, who, who came to the clinic and did not stay, but instead went home. And so we praise God for that. It does make a difference. The church needs to show up in places like this. And I know, I know we probably have the name of being a radical church because we do things like that. And I said, I would love to have that printed on a T-shirt, radical. That doesn't bother me at all because Jesus Christ was radical for me. It was a radical act when he hung naked.
naked on a cross for my sins to save me from death, hell, and the grave. That was a radical act, and so I have no problem in being a radical for him. In fact, as we study through church history, you're going to find out it was the radicals that made a difference. It was the radicals that actually changed things. The people, the Christians that went with the flow didn't do a whole lot of good for God, but it was those who said, no, I'm going to be salt, I'm going to be light, I'm going to see a difference made. That's where difference was made in history and in our culture, and so we get to be part of that in our day. We will have Saturday, August 25th, another chance at it. If you want to be part of the Love Life Walk, we'll be giving you more information. But Saturday, August 25th is our next day to participate in this. And, uh, man, it was such a blessing. I got texts from people and comments from people that they were so glad they went, so glad they were a part of it yesterday. So make plans to be part again on Saturday, August 25th. Well, we're in a new sermon series, and that series is called Rooted. And last week I talked to you a little bit about some of our church's roots and things that we really need to hang on here to here as a church. And we talked about our vision statement, and we kind of read through that. And we also talked about our mission statement. Now, my first, uh, my first uh, group this morning didn't do so well in remembering our mission statement, so I'm going to see if you guys can do better. What is our mission statement here? Y'all did better. The first one went back to reach, grow, serve this morning. But no, it's lives made new, love made visible. We want to see lives made new in Jesus Christ. We want to see love made visible in this community because as Christians, when we say, hey, I love you, I love you, I love you in the love of Christ, and we don't do a thing about it, then the world says, you're a bunch of liars. Why do I want to be part of what you guys say? Because, you know, you're not actually showing love. So that's what we're about here, lives made new, love made visible. And then we talked about why this church began. This church began in 1950 to reach, this is called the Rushwood Park community. We were made, we were created, this church started in 1950 to reach this community. And we do a great job of reaching people, but I don't think we do necessarily still the greatest job of reaching the community that's right around us. I believe God has us here for a reason. Now, I'll be honest with you, if I could just pick this church up and sit it wherever, this church building, and sit it wherever I wanted to, I probably would not put it on Old Farmer Road right outside of the city limits, kind of hidden, kind of tucked away. In fact, I'll be honest, I'm a little jealous of some of the churches in town that people drive by a hundred times a day, and they never really drive by here. We kind of have to help people find this place. But I believe God has us here, 1810 Old Farmer Road, for a reason. And I believe there are children in this community, there are youth, there are kids that need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with his help, we're going to do that. We're going to start reaching them. And we're, we're going to see some amazing things happen. So that's one of our roots that we want to hold on to. But today I want to go back to the Bible and I want you to look at Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. Have you ever started praying? Maybe it's in the morning, maybe it's... You know, when you get some spare time in the day. Have you ever started praying and then all of a sudden you got distracted? You were praying and then something else captured your attention and you think, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be praying. And then you have to go back to praying. Don't feel too bad about that because the same thing happened to the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. He starts to pray for the Ephesians and then he thinks, you can almost hear him as you read through there, thinking, oh, my goodness, I need to make sure that I tell them about my ministry. I need to make sure they understand what I'm all about. So he starts to pray and then he stops. He tells them about his ministry, and then he goes back to praying for them. That's the portion of the scripture that we're at right now. He has entered back into prayer. He remembered what he was originally doing. He's going back into prayer, and he's praying for this church at Ephesus. 
And the Ephesians are so much like Americans. They're so much, they're very similar to us in the way they live, the way their culture was set up. A lot of parallels there. So Paul begins to pray for the Ephesians and probably the churches around that area with just a beautiful, powerful prayer. And I know you guys just got seated and you're comfortable and you're ready to just sit back and listen to me for the rest of the service. But I, part of my job is to make you uncomfortable, so I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. And we're going to read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21 together. I think there's power when we read the Word of God together as the people of God. Do you believe that, church? I believe something special happens in the spiritual realm. And so we're going to read this together on the count of three. One, two, three, go. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's give God a round of applause for his word. To all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. All right. From the questions that you have never asked but probably should have file, I've got a question for you. What is the difference between a tumbleweed and a fig tree. Never have thought about that in your life till now, have you? But I just said it, so now you got to think about it. What's the difference between a tumbleweed and a fig tree? Well, i got a picture of these two plants, and we're going to do a little comparison of them. This obviously is a tumbleweed. A tumbleweed is a plant that has become disconnected from its roots. And because this plant is disconnected from its roots, there's no greenery in it. There's no fruit that it bears. In fact, really, there's no life in it. All that a tumbleweed is good for is getting in the wind, and wherever the wind blows, the tumbleweed ends up going. The tumbleweed has to follow the wind. It has no strength in itself. It's at the mercy of the elements. No life, no fruit. It can't grow. That's a tumbleweed. Wild fig tree, on the other hand. These grow, especially in Africa, and especially in southern Africa. Now, there's all kinds of fig trees, but this is a special kind of fig tree. They have actually, scientists have done research on these trees and found out that their root system, the root system of the wild fig tree, goes as much as 400 feet below the soil, below the surface. 400 feet down, it has the deepest root system of any tree species in the world. And because of that, it's full of life. Green leaves, it bears figs that people can eat and animals can eat, and it actually provides nourishment to, to the environment around it. It's able to grow and it's able to sustain itself. Now, I'm not getting into this morning because I'm not crazy. I'm not getting into old earth creationism versus new earth creationism and all that sort of thing, young earth versus old earth. Just what scientists have said, though, is that these trees, scientists believe that these trees have been around since the time of the dinosaurs. 
they believe that this species of tree has existed for 60 million years. Now, if that were true, why, why would that be the case? It's because the root system goes so deep that these trees can withstand storms. They can withstand flooding. They can withstand heat and, and, and dry times. They can withstand just about anything because they are so deeply rooted in the soil in which they grow. What's the difference between a tumbleweed and a wild fig tree? A wild fig tree has roots, and a tumbleweed doesn't. It's a pretty good lesson for Christians as well. You know, they say the average Christian today, as far as church attendance, the average Christian spends four years in a given church before they move on to the next one. And I understand, there are good and legitimate reasons sometimes for leaving a church. Church starts teaching false doctrine, you got to get up and you got to get out. Church starts looking for, at culture for the answers instead of Jesus Christ for the answers. You're probably going to have to get up and you're probably going to have to get out. You're going to have to try something different. But the consumeristic idea of church attendance, that I will attend this church as long as it makes me feel good and as long as I'm, I'm good with every single thing that goes on and the pastor never says one sentence out of order or anything like that, I think it's kind of unhelpful. My mom and dad have been in this church since 1950. They were kids, so they weren't founding members of this church. But they've attended this church since 1950. They've been here all their lives. But there was a point in time where they actually were, were a little bit disgruntled with things going on here and were thinking about leaving this church. And they went to an older minister, not a part of this church, but, but an older minister, and, and, and said to him, you know, we're thinking about leaving Rushwood. We're thinking about trying, to, trying another church to, to see how that goes. And uh, the older minister said to them, don't let the devil get you on the run. He said, if the devil gets you on the run, he'll keep you on the run, and you'll never do anything good for God anywhere as far as church goes. I think that's a real lesson. If you have deep roots, you bear fruit. If you have no roots, oftentimes you bear no fruit anywhere. The root system is what brings the fruit. And that's not, what, that's not the main point I wanted to talk to you about this morning, but it is a good point. It is something to think about. There are legitimate reasons to leave a church, but not every reason is a legitimate reason. Paul here in Ephesians chapter 3 wants the Ephesian church to be like the wild fig tree. He wants their roots to go down deep. He wants them to be rooted in Jesus Christ and in the love of God. And so Paul's prayer here gives us some clues as to what we can do to become rooted. And over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. What are some of the things that will help us become rooted in Jesus Christ? We're not necessarily going to look at this word by word, verse by verse. We're going to look at this more as big concepts that Paul's prayer is teaching us about becoming rooted in Christ and in the love of God. The first thing Paul writes here is, I kneel, I kneel before the Father and I pray. I kneel before the Father and I pray. The Greek word there for kneel, and it implies the prayer word there if you study the Greek, and you're probably not going to, so I did it for you. But anyway, the Greek word there is kompto. And kompto actually means to go to your knees in honor of. To go to your knees in honor of. So in old days, when you would come before a monarch, a king or a queen, you would kneel down, you would bow down to honor that person. I don't know, did you see a few weeks ago when President Trump and Melania visited the Queen of England? Did you, 
guys see that fiasco that went on or whatever. The media was really upset. And you guys know I've been critical of our president sometimes for some of the things he said. And there's other things I thought, good job, good Trump. I appreciate you doing that. So I, I've tried to be very fair on this guy. But they were really mad that he, uh, that Melania didn't curtsy and that uh, Donald Trump didn't bow to the Queen of England. And I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit of a redneck or whatever, but I thought, didn't we settle that in 1776? I thought we decided we weren't going to do that anymore back then. I think we reiterated it in 1812, but anyway, that's, that's that historical part of me. But anyway, it didn't really get me all that upset that an American president did not bow to the queen, the sovereign of a foreign nation. But I'll tell you somebody we should bow before, and that's Jesus Christ. He's always worthy of us bowing. He's always worthy of us coming to him in honor and respect and paying tribute to him in that way. When we pray, here's my first point this morning. You say, man, you finally got there. Okay, my first point this morning. When we pray, we call God king. When we pray, when we humble ourselves, when we bow before God and honor him for who he is, we call him the king of the universe, yes, but also of our lives. Physically, and I will be honest with you, every time I pray, I don't bow down. I just prayed up here earlier, and I didn't bow down. I didn't go to my knees. Sometimes I do. Sometimes there's certain times, special times, where I feel the Spirit leading me that way, and I'll bow down, and I'll get on my knees before God, and I'll pray that way. But even if I don't physically get on, down on my knees, I try to always, in my spirit, bow before who God is and acknowledge His power, acknowledge His sovereignty, acknowledge His majesty and His might. Because I'm just, let's be real about it, I'm just animated dust. That's all I am. I'm just dust that God has put the breath of life in. And yet I'm approaching him who is eternal, who is a spirit, who is the king of the universe. I need to come to him in honor and I need to come to him in respect. And so I bow my heart, I bow my spirit before him when I approach him in prayer. And I declare that he is worthy of honor. I say, God, you're up there and I'm down here. God, you're the king over my life and I am not. You are in charge and I am dependent on you. Prayer is an act of worship to God. Prayer, when we, when we take time to pray, it glorifies the name of God. It brings glory to His name. It magnifies who He is and what He has done. That's the first point. The second point is this. When we pray, we take on humility on ourselves. When we don't pray, what we're saying to God is, God, I really don't need you in this. I got this. I got this on lockdown, God. I don't need your help in this situation. I'm the man or I'm the woman, and I can handle this. God, I'll maybe bother you when there's something bigger that I need from you. But right now, this is easy. This is child's play. I've got this. But when we pray to God in things big and small, we're becoming humble. And we're saying, God, I need you so much. Father, I need you so much. Dad, I need you. Abba, Father, I need you so much to do something in my life right now. My kids, when we're in a store, they come to me or they come to my wife, and they'll come up with something and say, oh, man, this is so cool. And you know, you know what that translates to? Hey, would you buy this for me? That's what they're really saying. And a lot of times if it's something small, I'll say, don't you have your own money? Don't we pay you for chores around the house? Can, you know, if you really want it, you'll buy it. If you kind of want it, you'll have me try to buy it. But I, 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 the small things, I make them actually make the purchase and depend on themselves. But sometimes there's bigger things that they just can't handle. And if they're, it's going to be part of their lives, if they need something in their lives, I have to make that purchase. Well, I'm finding out more and more that everything's big. Everything's big in this life. 
Everything's big in this life. I need God for everything. I need God day by day. I don't just need Him for big things in my life. I need Him for daily strength. I need for Him daily to come in and fill me with His Spirit so that I can live a holy life before Him and be the kind of salt and light that I need to be in this world. I come before Him and I humble myself and say, God, I need You. I'm praying, God. I'm seeking You. I need You. When we don't pray, we take God's glory and His goodness for granted. Let me say that again. When we don't pray, we take God's glory and His goodness for granted. A member of our church who is a former minister gave me a poem a while back, and I, I still have it in my desk drawer in my office. And I thought I'd like, to, I'd like to share it with you this morning because I think it's very simple. It's not Wordsworth or anything like that as far as poetry, but it, it, there's a profound meaning to this if you'll catch it. The name of it is The Difference. The poem says this, I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me, but he said, you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. Martin Luther used to say, I have so much to do today, I had to pray two extra hours. That's not the way we think, is it, as Americans? We think we have to make it happen. We have to hurry. We have to rush. We have to get ahead. One of the things I told you in my sabbatical, I told you some things that I would share that I learned during sabbatical. One of the things I learned during the six weeks of sabbatical was how much of a hurry I was in. Day by day, I was in a hurry. I moved at a breakneck pace, and I could get back into it very easily if I'm not careful. I moved at a breakneck pace. I always had to be moving. I always had to be accomplishing something. I always had to be doing something. It was very hard for me to find margin to rest to relax, to have any fun, because I felt like if I'm not doing, it's not happening. And that was actually an affront to God my Father. Because when I'm still, when I'm resting, when I'm getting refreshed, He's still at work. He's still doing things behind the scenes. I felt like I had to make it happen. And God rebuked me in my spirit during that time of sabbatical that, Brent, you don't have to do it all. You don't have to do everything for Rushwood. You don't have to make every plan for the church. You don't have to put everything together because I'm at work. It's my church after all. And he, he really showed me that during these weeks. You know, there's something in, uh, in our culture called hurry sickness. Hurry sickness is we try to move so fast. We try to do so much. It literally makes us mentally and physically sick. It can bring disease into your body because you're always in a hurry. I mean, some signs of hurry sickness would be that when you can't stand a red light. Are you like that? You get to a red light, oh, the light caught me. I, this is going to take forever. to. Get. Sometimes I'm like that, especially the one right there by Hardy's where you turn off on the zoo parkway. You know, if you get caught there, you're going to be there for two or three days before it finally turns again, you know. We're, we're in such a hurry. We don't like to slow down for anybody. We don't like to slow down for slow conversations. We don't like to rest because we feel like we have to make it happen. But here's the good news. God is making it happen already. He just asked us to join in with what he's already doing. 
And so it doesn't go quite into our American culture to take extra time to pray, but maybe that's part of the, what's wrong with our American culture is we're not taking time to pray. Maybe that's what's wrong with part of what's wrong with our church culture is we're not taking time enough to seek him for his blessings, for his strength. So when we pray, we humble ourselves before God. When we pray, we put down roots. This series is called Rooted. Prayer is one of the things that will more deeply root you than anything else. We have a lady who's been part of our church for many years, Mary Coltrane, and we're so blessed to have her as part of our church. And growing up, my mom would say, if anything came up, she'd say, Brent, I'll call Mary because she'll pray. I'll call Mary because I know she'll pray. She said the same thing about Alice Wilson, who was a close friend of hers. Brent, I'll call Alice because I know she'll pray. Those are some of our people who are senior saints now. What about some of you young folks? Would you like to step up and be that kind of person? I believe God is calling some of us to be that kind of prayer warrior and to put down those kind of roots. If you want roots like the fig tree so that you don't blow around aimlessly like the tumbleweed, you need to become a person of prayer. But it's not easy. Satan fights you when you try to pray. He does not want you to pray. I think Satan would rather you do just about anything in the world than actually pray. I'm, and this may be taken a little far, but I'm not sure. I think Satan would almost rather you read your Bible than to pray. Because you can get lost in the Bible and you can, you can kind of tune out or whatever, but prayer is prayer, and he doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to connect with God in that way. But we need to become people of prayer, and we've got to start somewhere. You don't become a prayer warrior overnight. So maybe you're a baby Christian. Maybe you're just starting to follow the Lord Jesus and you're just wanting to learn about this prayer thing. Let me offer a suggestion to you. Eventually we want to get where we continuously pray when we're always in an attitude of prayer. Uh, there, there was a monk in church history called Brother Lawrence and he tried to continuously practice prayer. He tried to be in a spirit of prayer every second of every day and he would pray these little short prayers over and over in his mind so he would try to be connected with God. That's tough. That's tough for us to get to that sort of place. So here's, here's my suggestion of where we start. Start by praying five times a day. Start by praying five times a day if you want to become a person of prayer. The first time you need to pray is when you get up in the morning. I know some people, and, and I respect them so much, that before their feet even hit the bed or hit the floor in the morning, before they even get out of bed, they start to pray. As soon as their eyes open, they say, Father, thank you for this day. Father, thank you that you're going to bless me today. Help me to live a holy life. Help me to overcome sin. And they start to pray before they even put their feet on that cold floor. They're praying to God. I respect that, but I kind of have to have some coffee first. So what I do is I get up and I go in, I start to make my cup of coffee, and as I'm making my cup of coffee, I'm praying, and as I drink the coffee, I wake up a little bit more, and I'm able to pray a little bit more, and I spend some time with God before any of the rest of the family gets up. I would suggest you start out by praying first thing every morning. Build it in as a habit in your life. And if it's a good way to start, it's also a good way to conclude your day. And we like to, in our household, before we go to bed every night, we circle up. I know I've told you this before, but it's worth hearing again. We circle up every night. We usually get in our living room, and we turn the television off, and we get all the noise calmed down, and we circle up and we pray. And we start with me, and then we go to my wife, and then we go from my oldest son to my youngest daughter who's old enough to pray. And every night, somebody different prays. And we have that as a discipline within our family. And it's gotten to be, if I ever forget it, the kids say, hey, Dad, aren't we going to pray tonight? They've gotten used to it. But we start our day with prayer, we end our day with prayer. 
And then you have three times during the day where it's going to be natural for you to pray, and those are your meal times. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or if you're a good southerner, breakfast, lunch, and supper. Either way you want to take it, all right? Pray, so if you'll pray in the morning, if you'll pray at night, and if you'll pray at meal times, that's five times a day. I have uh, friends who work with uh, Islamic people who have converted to Christianity, and they're used to praying five times a day in Islam, and when they come to Christianity, they want to know when they should pray, and so they teach them. Pray in the morning, pray at night, pray over all your meals. That's a really good start. And once you build that into your life, you'll find it easier to pray in the in-between times. You'll find it easier to turn to God and seek His face and His power. And that helps you put down roots. Prayer is going to help you put down roots as a Christian. I'm going to close. I'm going to share this story with you. If you want to be a person who is rooted, if you want to be a person who's like the wild fig tree, who has deep roots and who lasts as a Christian and who has power and has fruitfulness and has all these good things in your life, you've got to learn how to pray. We had an assistant pastor here many years ago. His name was Gene Skank. How many of you remember Pastor Skank when he was here? Now, Pastor Skank was different. He was, as we call it in the South, another good Southern term, we say he's a character. He was a character, if you ever knew him. But he was a man who loved the Lord. He loved the Lord deeply, and he and his wife were deeply devoted to following Jesus Christ. And Pastor Skank was 88 years old, and he and his wife, Tula, had a habit. Every day, sometime between lunch and, and, and supper, back when, uh, when his wife would be fixing, uh, fixing the supper time meal or maybe a little bit after lunch, they would pray together and they would sing hymns together. It was just their daily habit. And so on this particular day, he, at 88 years old, he, his health was going pretty bad, and Pastor Skank had been to several different doctors all morning. He kind of was really tired because he had to visit two or three doctors because of his health issues. And so they got back home, and, and uh, Tula was in the kitchen, and she was working to cook up a meal for them, and, and he was sitting in his recliner in the room beside of her. And uh, as, as they were there and they were singing hymns along, she was cooking, and he was just sitting there. She was singing, and then all of a sudden she noticed that Pastor Gene had stopped singing. And so she left the, the food on the stove, and she walked into the other room, and she found out that Pastor Skank had passed right into the presence of Jesus while singing those hymns. If you want that kind of life, if you want the kind of life that ends up with you singing hymns to Jesus, and then all of a sudden you're in the presence of Him and all the angels in glory, and you've just moved from this life into eternal life, and you get to see your faith for the first time. If you want that kind of life, you're going to have to be a person of prayer. You're going to have to learn to pray. It's indispensable to the Christian life. You have to have it. It has to be part of what you do. In fact, when the Apostle Paul, when he moved from being Saul to Paul, the, the Christians were told, you can trust him because he's praying now. It's a mark of who we are as Christians. Here's how I want to end up the service today. I want us to learn to put down roots. I want us to put down roots through prayer. And maybe we could practice a little bit here what we need to do out there. And so I'm going to ask you if you can. And if you can't physically, it's okay. But physically, if you can, we're just going to take a minute here. We're not going to belabor this at all. But if you can physically, I'd like to ask, don't, don't, don't come up here, but stay right where you are at your pew. If you can kneel, if you can get down on your knees before God, 
We're going to honor him, and we're going to take some time. You just personally, I want you to pray to him and just honor him for who he is. Honor him for what he's done in your life and what he's going to do in your life. Take some time to focus on him. If you can kneel and you can turn around at your pew or you can, however you need to work that, it's fine. If you can't physically get down then I'm uh, on your knees, I'm just going to ask you just to bow as much as you can before the Father. Just do whatever you can do. But we are, we are amphibians is what C.S. Lewis taught. He taught that as human beings we are part spirit and we're part body. And what we do with our body affects our spirit. And getting down, bowing down on our knees in a posture of prayer can be a really powerful thing in our spirit. And so I'm just going to ask us, just take a minute, get down on your knees before God the Father if you can. If not, bow as deeply as you can. And let's pray, let's seek Him, let's honor Him. Let's start to put down roots of prayer. Stand with me if you would. We're going to pray together after we pray. Don't run out the door. Let me talk to you for just a second before we go. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would bow before you as our Father and as our King. God, I pray this would not be the last time that we get down on our knees before you, but that we would honor you for who you are, that we would seek you daily, that prayer would not be the last option for us, God, but it would be the first thing that we do. I ask, God, that we would not come to you with the attitude of asking you to just bless our plans. We make our plans and ask you to bless them, though. God, I pray that we would have the mind of Christ that we would seek your will, we would seek your word, God, in prayer. Lord, help us to put down roots. Help us to stand strong with you. Help us to be like the pastor whose story we told that at the end, God, we will be so close to you that we just transition right into eternity, praying and praising you. Lord, as we leave this place today, I pray that you would remind us that worship doesn't end here. Worship is everything we do. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we worship you with our actions. We worship you with our speech. Help us to do that more and more. And help us to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers all our sins and gives us the right to enter into your presence. We get to come into the throne room of the King and bow before you because of Jesus. 
It's in his name we pray all these things. And Rushwood said, amen. On your way out, remember our giving boxes, your tithes and offerings. We have a lot of good things that we want to do uh, between now and the fall. We want to work on our kids' area some. So any giving that you can do to bless in that effort is going to be appreciated. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Have a great day. We will see you soon.